How you guys doing this morning? Good. You guys have a good weekend? I hope so. Alright. Let me paint a scenario for you. You're playing in a highly competitive disc golf game. Now, if you don't know what disc golf is, uh, come talk to me afterwards and we'll set up a date where I'll show you what disc golf is. Uh, I love playing disc golf. Basically golf, but you play disc golf. There you go. That's what disc golf is. Okay. You're playing in a highly competitive disc golf game and you are one stroke behind the leader. And where you've landed, you're, you're sitting behind this tree. Uh, and you have two options. Option one is to kind of go around the tree and definitely wind up even one more stroke behind. And option two is you've got a straight shot at the basket, but it's underneath the low-hanging branches of the tree, which are right above a lake. So you've got about maybe four feet to get this disc through this hole, this opening, and, and out towards the basket. So the question is, do you take the safe shot around the tree, which will push you even further back, or do you go for the gutsy shot underneath the branches, over the lake, hoping that you'll get it through this gap and right towards the basket? How many take the gutsy shot? Okay, fair number of you. Let me see another scenario for you. You have just finished eating a fantastic barbecue with some of your friends. We're talking steak. Good, good barbecue. Uh, you're full, you're satisfied, you and your buddies are hanging out, having a good time, and uh, uh, one of your buddies goes back uh, into the garage and comes out with this jar of peppers. Now, these are not just any peppers. These are his dad's secret recipe habanero peppers. These peppers have been fermenting in their own juices for seven years, making them five to ten times hotter than the already extremely hot habanero peppers. Then there were last time. Uh, and as you may have guessed, both things happened to me. I, I took the gutsy shot. And, of course, I, I didn't quite hit it right. I, I hit a branch and it dropped down into the lake. And I spent the next half hour kind of sifting through with my feet, trying to find my distance. I was down here somewhere. And, uh, of course, I still ended up another stroke behind and uh, just felt that much worse. I, I did eat the peppers as well. Um, and it, it should have clued me in when I was holding it. It started to burn my fingers. Uh, and for some reason, I still put it in my mouth. Um, and right after I did that, I hopped in the car, drove over to Safeway, bought myself a half gallon of milk, and uh, just sat there with milk in my mouth for the next like couple of hours 
because it hurt like so that like I let it sit there for a while and then it starts bleeding again, so I swallow and then drink some more and just let it sit there. Oh, it hurt so, so bad. So the question this morning is, how do we arrive at these decisions? Why do some of us choose to take that gut shot? Why do some of us choose to eat the pepper? Why? Take a look at this. This morning, um, I'm talking about one of my favorite words in the English language. Probably my favorite word in the English language. And the word is risk. There we go. Come on. Yes. The word is risk. And uh, so the question is, first of all, why do we risk? If you've got your uh, bulletin, go ahead and pull out that insert in the middle. I've got some blanks for you to fill in. Uh, keep you entertained. You can doodle on the side if you want. Um, We're going to be diving into Matthew chapter 14 in a little bit. Uh, If you want to open up your Bible as well, you can do that. But first I wanted to talk about why we we risk. That's a hard thing to say. Why we risk. Why? First of all, why is risk so attractive? Why is risk so attractive? Why don't people always take the safe road? This should make sense, right? In fact... I was doing some research about risk online. Found this. Psychoanalysts at the turn of the 20th century who were inspired by Sigmund Freud, so this is about 100 years ago, concluded that it was not normal to overcome these natural fears at all. And risk-taking behavior was in fact evidence of a diseased mind. Lucas, you raised your hand for both of us. A diseased mind. They could not conceive of any reason why people would choose to risk their lives, and as a result, concluded that risk takers were acting without reason. Without reason. Yet we still take risks. Why? Well, I came up with some different things. Uh, sometimes there's potential reward associated with a certain risk. You know, that's why. People take, you know, go and play the lottery. My dad says uh, the lottery is a, is a tax for people that don't understand statistics. Um, but uh, some people think it's a good risk and take that for the potential reward. Sometimes there's a desire for change. Uh, sometimes curiosity brings us to the edge. Sometimes it's simply for the thrill of bragging rights. Did eating that pepper give me any enjoyment or reward whatsoever? No. But I can still sit around telling people that I ate a pepper that time. Here's how brain damaged I am. <laughs> Here is my disease of mine. That's what I was thinking when I was looking at it. Well, I'll be able Here we go. However, there, of course, is another question. Why is this here? Now, we have to look at the side because otherwise people would take risks all the time. Like if it's attractive and you have this potential reward and you have 
uh, the desire for change and all these kind of different reasons, oh, well, then you go, well, of course, everyone's going to take risks. The risks of fear at the same time. The safe road is usually the more appealing road, and there's no wondering to that. No doubt. No chance for failure. In fact, fear of failure is one of many things that keeps people from taking People also stay away from risk because they're comfortable. I don't like the right now. I don't need to take any risk. The reward isn't worth it to them, or the chance of getting the reward is much too small for them coming back to the lottery. Very small chance of success. Maybe they don't need the thrill. Maybe some of you aren't thrill seekers. Care less about bragging rights. The uh, college-age guys are, are the most susceptible to this kind of stuff because that's what we thrive on. You know, we don't have any money. We usually don't have any food, and uh, so we thrive on this bragging rights. Oh yeah? Well, let me tell you what I did. Um, so we've seen two sides of the coin. We've seen that yeah, this could be attractive. Yeah, it could be feared, which is right. Should we go in and take risks, or should we shy away from them? Maybe there's some balance to I personally think that there is some semblance of balance. Listen to this. A life without risk is a fruitless life. But a life with unnecessary risk is a foolish life. So why take a risk at all? Why use a risk? Why take a risk at all? Uh, three things. These are listed right here on your paper. First of all, it helps you rely on God. If you're not taking risks, you're not relying on anyone except your yourself. Uh, I just went to Hume uh, a couple of times, and they have this ropes course there. I think my favorite thing about the ropes course, you're usually about 40 to 50 feet up in the air. Uh, you're on cables going from tree to tree. There's a, a portion where you jump from one tree to the next. You're doing rock climbing. Uh, you climb up on a telephone pole up to the top and try to jump off and grab uh, a handlebar hanging there. And I love it more than anything else because it helps people deal with the issue of um, do I have any rock climbers out here? Anybody that's on a couple here and there? That's good. That's good. How about skydiving? Anybody skydived before? There's some risk takers, right? You you are taking control and, and putting it into somebody else's hands. Roller coasters. Anybody like roller coasters? Hey, there's a few more. You guys are all risk takers. In a sense, I mean, you're, you're trusting that uh, the, the people that are operating the machine, some of them who look maybe they're like 12, um, that they know what they're doing and uh, that the machine's going to work right and that it was built in such a way that it's not going to fly off the track. Um, some of you might be sitting there saying, I'm not a risk person. Have you ever flown on an airplane? Have you ever been inside of a car? How about this? Have you ever taken a shell? Yeah. 
how many of you actually go and like make your own pills? Hopefully, not many of you. Um, and uh, you know, we we have to trust the pharmacists. We have to rely on their knowledge and uh, their expertise to trust that they know what they're doing and that we're getting the medication that we need. Taking risks helps you rely on God. When you are risking more, you find yourself more and more on your own. Secondly, it gives God an opportunity to bless you. Every single one of you married men would have never experienced the blessing of your wife if you had never taken the risk. It took me uh, a little over five years to first ask Laura out. And uh, even on the day that I actually did finally, like, first confess how I felt about her, we, we started hanging out, what, like two or three in the afternoon? And uh, I didn't say anything about it until, like, we were in the car and I was driving her back home five hours later. Um, I was terrified, but I finally took the risk, and I kind of told her how I felt about it, and man, I got the blessing. I got the blessing, and almost four years later, and it's just been fantastic, guys, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Um, taking a risk gives God an opportunity to bless you. When I was uh, in the application process for this job, which was almost two years ago, about two years ago, I was also interviewing at this other church up in Auburn, um, and uh, they offered me a job. It was a, a full-time job, and um, Laura and I were talking about it, and I said, you know, I don't, I don't think this is the right thing. Laura agreed, but at the same time, uh, NBC had not offered me, and I was just one of the And so, and, and we had nothing else lined up. And I looked at Laura and I said, "What do you think?" She said, "So we turned down that job without another job lined up. We took a risk, and God has definitely." hadn't taken that risk, you wouldn't have seen the blessing of, the, of being here and uh, investing here at Neighborhood. Let me ask you this. Have you been robbing God of the opportunity to bless you? Let Him bless you by taking a Third reason why, why we should take the risk, God's I love this song. This is uh, a song I heard a number of years ago, and it started getting me on this bandwagon about the word risk. And the song is called Risk, and it starts out by saying, It all began with a risk. It's God, your desire for this. To be loved and to love is what everything is all about. I love that. It all began with a risk. 
Now, sure, you can get into the semantics of, oh, you know, God knew that Adam and Eve were going to blow it, and, you know, let's talk about predestination and all this kind of stuff. And sure, there's, there's valid discussion for that. But, I mean, if you look at it this way, God took a risk in creating us and, and giving us the opportunity to choose. He took a risk on us. And I'm not going to force you to love me. I'm going to give you the option. So if God can take a risk on us, can't we take risks ourselves? Time to dive into our passage. So uh, if you've got your paper, you can flip it over, and the passage is right there. Or if you've got the Bible, you can open up. So we're in Matthew chapter 14. And I've got it there in the message. I just, I just like the way uh, Eugene Peterson translated it. But before we dive in, let me just ask God to bless the reading of this God, I just uh, thank you for your word. Thank you uh, that we can continue to dive into it, continue to look at it, and um, continue to grow and learn from it. God, thank you for simple stories that, that we can read and just see immeasurable truths. I pray that as we read, God, that it will sink into our hearts and change it. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. It says, As soon as the meal was finished, this meal, by the way, was feeding 5,000 people. So Jesus had just said the 5,000, done this incredible miracle. As soon as the meal was finished, he insisted that the disciples get in the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the people. With the crowd dispersed, he climbed to the mountain so that he could be by himself and pray. Now, I've read this passage a number of times, and uh, just as I was reading it yesterday, I noticed something that I hadn't before. You know, one of the things as you dive into God's Word and you study it, it's important to see the context. Kind of see what's going on, see what has happened before, see what happens after, so you know, like, the, the situation. You know what's going on. But if you go back even a little bit further in Matthew chapter 16, you see that uh, John the Baptist had just been beheaded. And, and Jesus has gotten word of it, and he, he went off by himself to be by himself to have some time alone with God. And that's when the crowd found him and followed after him and wanted to sit and listen to him too. And that's when the feeding of the 5,000 happened. So he had just tried to get some time alone and hadn't gotten that. So here, now he feeds these people, he sends them away, and now he's finally able to go and be by himself and pray. And, and probably even just mourn the death of John. So he's finally able to go away by himself and pray. He stayed there alone late into the night. Verse 24. Meanwhile, the boat was far out to sea where the wind came up against them and they were battered by the waves. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards 
walking on the water. They were scared out of their wits. I love that. I would be too. A ghost, they said, crying out in terror. But Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage, it's just me. Don't be afraid. I'm amazed at that. I mean, if you really stop and think about it, you're in a boat. Okay, put it into the 21st century. You're in a boat, and, and here comes some dude walking on the water. Hey, please, don't be afraid. Peter, let, let me stop and talk to you about Peter a little bit. Now, I, I've talked about Peter before. I love Peter. I identify with Peter. I, I work the same way as Peter. Peter is, is a risk taker, as we are about to see. But sometimes Peter just jumps a little bit too quick and doesn't think through things. Uh, you know, here in, in one passage, Peter, Jesus is saying, who do people say that I am? And he asks Peter, and Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And a couple of verses later, here Jesus is calling Peter Satan. He gets behind me, Satan. Here, like, it's just so back and forth with Jesus sometimes. But he's out there taking risks. And I totally identify with him because sometimes I just, and, and you can ask Laura about this to back it up, sometimes I just go and do things without stopping and thinking through consequences. And uh, I've spent time in the emergency room because of that. Uh, and I imagine Peter walked around with bandages on him and stuff like that. Um, I'm, I'm sure he was similar to me in that. So here they are, 12 guys sitting in a boat. And here's Jesus walking on the water, 4 in the morning. Peter, suddenly bold, said, Master, it's really you. Call me to come out to you on the water. Jesus said, Come ahead. Jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. But when he looked down at the waves turning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and started to sink. He cried, Master, Save me! Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and grabbed his hand. Then he said, Think hard. What? That is so how do we risk? How do we risk? There's actually a process that goes through in this passage. And I'm going to walk you through it. And see that, that Peter wasn't as impulsive as he actually was. So how do we live? There it is. Here's the first blank film. Remember, how do I live? Ask for guidance. Ask for guidance. Verse 28. Peter, suddenly bold, said, Master, if it's really you, call to me to come out to you on the water. You see that he didn't just hop over. He asked for some guidance. Should I take this new job? Should I marry this woman? Should I make this large investment? Should I go on this mission trip? What college should I go to? Should I buy this house? Should I buy this car? Should I buy whatever? Oftentimes we, we do. But it's very important first that we come 
to God when we ask. Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God is going to be on your hearts and on your hearts. Paul's reminding, hey, whatever it is, you don't need to worry about it. Bring it to God. Maybe you're in the middle of trying to find a job. Maybe you're in a transition phase in your life. Maybe you're at a point where you're not really sure of what to do. Ask for guidance. Go and ask from the people you trust as well. Your spouse, trusted friends, mentors, family members, the people that know you the best will be able to give you the best advice. Step number one in risking is asking for guidance. I'm just God. God. What should I do? Here's number two. Wait for a response. This is a very important step and it is often overlooked. And if it is overlooked, you will find yourself in big trouble. Notice in verse 29. 28, he says, Master, if it's really you, call me to come out to you on the water. Now, 29 is Jesus' response. He said, come ahead. And then it says, jumping out of the boat. It's not reversed. Peter waits for the response. Wait for the response. I'm often asked, what does it look like to hear from God? You know, sure, Jesus was right there in a physical body. So he, Peter was audibly able to hear Jesus' voice. But I'm sure most, if not all of you, have never heard audibly One time when I was uh, trying to make a big decision about uh, a couple of different jobs, this was a number of years ago, I, I took a backpacking trip. And on this backpacking trip, uh, I fasted and I took a, a vow of silence. So for, it ended up being about 36 hours, didn't eat, didn't talk to myself either. So that I could focus, so that I could remove my distraction. That's one of the first things you've got to do when trying to hear the voice of God is get rid of all these distractions. Here's a couple of other things and they're listed on your paper. An open or a closed door. That's God talking to you. Should I take this job and, and move across the state? Well, if you're not hired, if you're not offered the job, that's a pretty clear closed door. God's saying, you know, this isn't the right way to go. Um, Using scripture, you know, diving into God's word. If if what you're trying to talk to God about is contrary to what scripture says, that's a pretty clear answer. Should I marry this gal even though she's not a Christian? Says, do not be a mutual No, that's a clear, clear answer, clear response from God. 
talking to a mentor. Uh, after this backpacking trip, I came back and I talked to some close friends of mine asking if I could take this job. Uh, this was right before I moved to Washington. I was trying to decide whether or not to move up here. I talked to my three mentors all at different times. All three of them came back to me and said, this is the right thing for you. You should go. You should take this job. One of them was my father, who I know was biased against me. He wanted me to stay. He wanted me to hang around. He said, no, I think this is the right thing for you. Listening to mentors, listening to people that love you and trust you, can be God. Sometimes it's just really clear. And you, you get an answer from God, you're praying, and something pops into your head, and you go, Yeah, that just it makes sense. I don't know why, but it does. Right below that, it does say, It just makes sense. Sometimes there isn't a clear response. Sometimes when you're waiting for a response from God, there isn't something clear. What do you do then? Sometimes God allows you to make this he puts two options in front of you. Both are scripturally sound. Both uh, are just great options. A lot of people come to me talking about college. Oh, I don't know what college I should go to. And, you know, they're, they're both great schools. And, you know, yeah, they're, they're both Christian schools. And I really felt like God wanted me to go to a Christian school. And, and uh, they both cost about the same. And they, I've gotten scholarships from both of them. And, uh, you know, I don't know which school to go to. Sometimes God puts options in front of us and says, make your decision. And He gives us that opportunity. But we ask for God. We wait for His time. And then, that's the response. We step out on the water. This is when you get to experience blessing. Peter was the only human in all of history to walk on water. For real. Okay, some of you have seen those YouTube videos of this guy walking on water. It's fake. Okay? It's fake. Peter was the only human in history to actually be able to walk on water. All because he chose Look at verse 29. Jesus said, Come ahead, jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. Now that's what right there. I love that it says jumping. Now, see, if I was in a boat and here's the water, my getting out of the boat. And take my time, right? And I'm sure you probably would have done the same thing. But Peter's standing here, and just, I'm not going to do it because I'll probably hurt myself. Um, <laughs> and he just hops over. Jumping out of the boat, Peter walks on the water to Jesus. This is where the, the risk happens. This is where the blessing happens. Oops, not yet. A couple things about that. First of all, not always easy. It is not always easy to 
take risks like that. It wasn't easy for me to say no to that job in Auburn. It wasn't easy for me to pop that pepper in my mouth. It wasn't easy for me to take that gutsy shot. But as I've played the game of disc golf, and for, for every gutsy shot that I've made and failed, there's been a gutsy shot where I've actually succeeded at it, and it's paid off, and it's helped me in my game. Now, sure, disc golf is a kind of a goofy analogy, but sometimes life throws you curveballs, and you know that you need to step out and take a risk. You know that you need to step out and share the gospel with you. You know that you need to pack everything up away from a place where you can turn. You know you need to come up with trust God with your life. Surrender everything to him. And yet you're still trying to hang on to stuff. Bob brought up money. Some of you know you need to take a little bit more of a risk and, and give a little bit more than you have to. Give until it's It's not always easy. And also it requires expectations. This is where the rubber meets the road, where you put your money where your mouth is. It requires extra faith because you don't know what's going to happen. Risk. If you knew what was going to happen, it wouldn't be risk. Right? Step out on the wall. Now, because you're out there and you're taking a risk, it's not over. The job's not done. Next, focus on Jesus. This is where Peter started to blow it. Here he is, walking on water. But when he looked down at the waves churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and tried to sink. He's taken his focus off of my first car accident was a lack of focus. I had pulled out of my driveway and, and, and started off down uh, the street, residential street. And uh, I, I like my tune, so I needed to plug in my CD player. And so I, I, I reached down to get it. Bam! Right into the back of a parked car. Yeah, my first accident, I hit a parked car, uh, an object that was not moving and very easy to dodge. All because I had a lack of faith. Those of you that aren't driving yet, take a lesson from me. Okay? Elizabeth? Focus on the road. Okay? Have your passenger get the same thing. Um, focus on Jesus. A lack of focus, as we see with Peter, will cause you to sin. Anything can look daunting and difficult if your focus is on God. When you take your eyes off Jesus and you start looking at the things around you, you start to see it. Things start to look impossible. Things start to look, there's just no way, God. I have no idea where this money is going to come from. Or, I'm not going to know anybody. Or, they're, they're going to make fun of me, or whatever it is that starts running through your head. You stop focusing on Jesus, and you start focusing on what's around you, 
and that's when you start to sin. But this impossibility is the point. That's why you took the risk in the first place. You have to remember that your strength comes from Jesus. And just as much as a lack of focus can cause you to think, a right focus will calm your fears. Thinking, I can't do this, will never help you. When I was on my backpacking trip, there were definitely times that I was feeling that. But then I remembered where my strength came from, and I put the focus back on Jesus, and I was able to keep going. And I told you that during this backpacking trip, I was fasting. I, I was consuming nothing but water. And uh, it was about a three, three and a half mile hike out to where I was uh, backpacking. And uh, as I packed up to leave, the, the weakness of going without eating as long as I had uh, about the beach of salad was, was starting to get to me. That's on my pack. And I started hiking back. And there were times when I stumbled. There were times when I fell. There were times when I, I thought I was just going to drop off the side of the mountain because I was so weak. But I kept coming back to the fact that my strength was found in you. And not in myself. And I kept talking to God and saying, God, this is this trip was for you, and God, um, we've had a wonderful time, so please just get me back. And as I put my focus back on Jesus, I started being able to walk again, being able to take one more, more step. And obviously, I got back to the car, so I'm sitting here right now. Um, but I was glad for the weakness because they brought me to my knees, sometimes literally. This is where I need you're in the middle of a risky situation, you got to Because that lack of focus will cause you to When in trouble, cry for help. I love this. Peter lost his nerve and started to sink. He cried, Master, save me! not going to let you think either. We're not perfect. There's a shocker. Every time we risk is not going to be perfect either. The most important thing to know is where to run when things are falling apart. When you don't have money for your next mortgage payment, when you are missing your friends and family, you're in the midst of a conversation and you just have no idea what to say, that's the right time to start talking. That's the right time to say, Master, save me. When in trouble, cry for help. And finally, there's no There's no need for doubt. Verse 31. These next three words are just beautiful. Jesus didn't 
So if you've got an NIV, the first word in verse 31 is immediately. There's no hesitation. Jesus is there. Remember who you're trusting. If you've got your Bible open, flip over to the book of Romans. If you're taking notes, write down this verse, Romans chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 20. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously given all things. God is for us. And so, there is no need to doubt. Remember who you're trusting. Remember. It doesn't mean that it will always be easy. But it does mean that you don't need to doubt God. He will be taking care of you. As you're in the middle of this risky situation, and you know, as we think about the, these ideas of risks, I'm not trying to, to get everyone to go out and plan out for skydiving. Uh, I'm talking about risking to Jesus, taking risks that are going to further Jesus' name, but that are just kind of freaking me out a little bit, that make you a little bit nervous. For most of us, it's simple as saying For a lot of us, it's as simple as surrendering everything to God. So as we're in the middle of uh, surrendering everything, or as we're in the middle of sharing our faith with others, and we start to get scared, and we start to doubt ourselves, and whether I'm going to take this to the right place, or I, I, I shouldn't have done this, Remember how you got here in the first place. Hopefully you asked for guidance and you waited for a response and you stepped out on the water and you've been focusing on Jesus and you've gotten in trouble and you've cried out for help. And you remember, hey, there is no need for that. Psalm chapter 13. You can just write down the reference, but, but David is in the midst of just garbage. Enemies are coming after him. He feels like God has abandoned him. And he says this. Yet I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. How sweet the Lord. For he has been good to me. In other words, here he is in the midst of a tough time. Here he is in the midst of something that's going on. And he remembers his man. God's been good in the past. He's going to be good again. I can trust in that. 
there is no need to doubt. Absolutely not. Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and grabbed Peter's hand. And then he said, Take heart, what God has done. Or the other version, You little faith, how did you doubt? You didn't have to, Peter. How did Peter? As we go through life and as we take these risky situations, sometimes we get that doubt and we get that fear. But the beauty is that Jesus is with us the whole time. The whole time. So what? I know it sounds a little rude, but um, let me explain why so what is on your paper. Um, I was working with senior hires, and these kids had a ton of Bible knowledge. They had grown up going to Sunday school and knew all the Sunday school answers. A lot of them were homeschooled or had gone to Christian school, so they got even more Bible knowledge. Some of them knew more of the Bible than I did. And as I taught them, I would end every message with, so what? Yeah, you sat here. You listened to me. So what? Was it worth your time? Are you going to walk out of those doors changed? Are you going to walk out of those doors different? Are you going to approach life differently because of what you've heard? Or did it just go one in, in one ear and out the other? Maybe you just caught a funny story or, or whatever. So I ask this question to each and every one of us. So what? Okay, we've talked a lot about risk. We've seen how Peter's takes risk. Here's your walk away. Here's your so what. Hey, a risk. Take a risk in Jesus' name. Talk to that neighbor that you've been scared of for a while. That coworker that you know desperately needs Jesus, but you haven't worked up the nerve to actually talk to them. Take that risk. Jump out and uh, give a little bit more in the offering basket. Let's say, okay, God, I know I need to trust you a little bit more with my money. Surrender that uh, that one thing that you've been holding on to. Some of you have been coming to church for a long time and have never surrendered your life. the wisdom of your trusted friends. Seek out pros and cons. Seek out opportunities. And what comes next, church? Knock. Ask and you will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Knock is the action. Knocking. Taking the risk. Stepping out on the water. Experiencing the miraculous. 
time and time again, I have seen God bless me when I've stepped out and taken risks. Taken risks. Yet time and time again, I have looked back with regret on missed opportunities. I can vividly remember multiple scenarios where I knew that it was the right time, the right opportunity for me to start talking to someone about my relationship with God. Look back at her and say, God, why? Why didn't I do that? I don't want to miss out on the blessing that God has ready for me. I don't want you to miss out on the blessings that God has ready for you. But to be able to get those blessings, Pull out the beautiful, colorful, colorful part of your book and open it up in the middle. In the middle, you'll see a lot of different pictures that may look familiar. These are a lot of different uh, demanding title pictures. And we're here at the end of our demanding series. And uh, Dave and I and a couple other guys have have shared with you a lot of different things that Jesus is asking of us that are demanding. Yes, He's demanding them of us, but they're demanding because they're difficult. So right at the bottom it says, what is Jesus demanding of you this week? As you look through, maybe there's one that, that jumps out of you and you go, oh yeah, I should have been working on that. more than anything else that we get to trust you. God, I'm thankful that um, in the midst of risky situations, God, that we have you to rely on. You know that when we take risks, God, that you God, help us not to doubt. Help us to trust you. Help us to take those risks in your name. To continue to draw closer to you. God, don't let us miss out on the blessing. Give us the courage to take risks. And give us the wisdom to continue to keep on your feet. We ask all of